Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. My name's Steve Anderson and with me, Larry Canning. Hello to you. Hello, Steve. G'day, listeners. You've been a busy boy, Larry. I've been doing some commentary, some golf commentary for Macquarie Radio Sports, Steve. In fact, it's Macquarie well, listen, Sports if you, Radio, if you, in fact. If you're going to do commentary for them, get their name right, all right? Rule 101, Macquarie Sports Radio. Great team there, great team of people. And they love your work, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they well, I used to until I just got, until the you got their name wrong. <laughs> Macquarie Sports Radio, Stephen. Macquarie Sports Radio. They do a terrific job covering all sorts of sports, but they've been doing a fantastic job with your help of covering the golf so far in the Australasian Summer of Golf. And gee, there's been some terrific things to talk about so far. We're going to catch up with Jake McLeod later in the program. Let's just mention him first because mm-hmm. Jake McLeod has had an outstanding year so far. Oh, he's been a red hot talent for a couple of years, Steve. We've all been watching him waiting for him to have his first victory and he picked a big tournament the New South Wales Open a tier 1 event $400,000 purse as his first win shot 62 on the Saturday he's been a massive talent for a couple of years now so it's great to see him realising how good he is yeah really good young bloke as well we'll talk with Jake McLeod in backspin today we've got our destination this time round which is Ocean Shores up on the far north coast of New South Wales up near Byron Bay beautiful part of the world you've actually played this course I've played this golf course Steve we played a golf tournament there a couple years in a row back in the 80s it was only open for about 10 years unique golf course 6 par 5 6 par 4 6 par 3 is unique beautiful setting great golf course designed by Bruce Devlin and, and Von Hag, the very famous course architects from the 70s and 80s we're going to talk with the head pro up there and sports manager Chris Graham we've got to throw sports manager in there as well because he's a multi-talented sort of bloke isn't he he's a bit of a throwback isn't he to, yeah, to we'll the old golf pro that used to run everything yeah we'll find out a bit more when we talk with uh, Chris Graham about Ocean Shores Country Club later in backspin as well. What else are we doing, Larry? We're going to have a look at a, a new product or a couple of new drivers from Srixen, the Z Series drivers. they got a couple of new models out. They're really working hard on the drivers, aren't they? They are, yes. They broke new ground, Steve. Last year, 2017, the Z765 and 75, sorry, 565, Z765 won my golf spy's most wanted driver for the year. So they're breaking into the driver market, which has been pretty well owned by two or three companies. They're making inroads, and their new driver, the Z585 and Z785, is even better. Easier to hit, more forgiving, and longer. Well, let's uh, talk about the Z Series drivers from Strixon in backspin today. You've got a tip of the week. This is about driving into the wind, and, uh, you know, if you're still driving into the wind the way you were back in 1978, <laughs> or even <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't 1988, in the bicentennial year, if you were driving a certain way into the wind. Yeah, well, we used to think you had to, you had to tee the ball a certain height to make it go lower. That's all changed. Times New have equipment, changed. Everything's changed. Find out more when You'll Larry... You'll change, Steve. Look, well, look, I have in the changed. last couple of minutes, actually. Yeah, a couple of minutes, yeah. yeah. Much more relaxed than mm. I was back then. We'll find out more about driving into the wind with Larry's tip this time round. First up, though, let's talk about the golf that's been happening. Let's start with the Australian Open. You were there. You were there for the four days. Uh, what did you think? What, what, are you, what are your observations of the Australian Open this year? Oh, disgraceful conditions, mate. It was really tough. I mean, that, that's, that second round was, was a nightmare for the players. I reckon Abraham Anter, the Mexican player, Steve, I reckon, speaking of throwbacks, we mentioned that earlier, about Chris Graham at Ocean Shores, Abraham Anter is a throwback to the old 
old-fashioned player that shaped the golf ball, moved it, hit it low, hit it high, left to right, right to left. Not the world's biggest hitter, doesn't overpower a golf course. He massages his way around it. He won that tournament easily. He dominated that event but how through cool ball striking. Yeah, very cool. And he a little guy. Yeah. He, um, he just Mexico's didn't. first winner of the Australian Open, of course. Yeah. Yeah, a very impressive player. It'll be really interesting to see how we go. He, there were golf courses that will suit him. The Lakes, for example, was just on 7,000 yards long. Some of the courses he'll play in America will be 7,500 yards long. and the, the Augusta is 7,800 yards long. So I don't know whether he can win on those golf courses. He might prove me wrong. But he's definitely going to be like a US Open type player, British Open player for sure. The other thing I liked after his victory, after Abraham Anser won that, that event, won the Open, I really liked his comments about how much it meant, not only for him personally, but for the game of golf in Mexico and the fact mm, that, that him mm. doing something like that could really inspire uh, younger people in Mexico to really Absolutely. have a crack with the game. It didn't do any harm when they came second in the World Cup the following week, Mexico, with Roberto Diaz, whose biggest check, Steve, to that point, was $70,000. He won $750,000 running second with Abraham Anser in the World Cup. So uh, there's another well, young player that's gonna, we're going to be watching. We'll get to the World Cup in a minute, but uh, the crowds. I was watching. I didn't go to the Open this year, but I'm watching it on TV. I've got to say, uh, and, and you were there. You, you can answer this one better than I can. The crowds seemed to be a, a hell of a lot down. The numbers mm. were a, a lot down on, on previous years. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. It was disappointing, the crowds, yeah. Uh, the weather was diabolical. Yep. That's probably had a fair, fair impact on it. But um, yeah, it was um, it, the, the, the the setup was fantastic there too, Steve. The the tented village was huge, and 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 lots of manufacturers displaying their gear. A kids area. It was all there for a lot of people to arrive. They just didn't arrive. Sadly, I don't know the answer outside of the weather. The previous year, Steve, we were at the Australian, and there were millions there. That was a fantastic, you know, gallery. Yeah. event, wasn't it? Yeah, it and, was. And, and Royal Sydney the year before that was fantastic as well. I don't know what happened this year. Maybe it's losing its sheen. Yeah, we talked about the uh, Adam Scott's and Jason Day's not playing and perhaps that might have had a, a bit of an influence on it, but some fairly handy players in that field, though. If you go down the list, there were some bloody good players. We were talking about Macquarie Sport Radio before, and I actually heard uh, an interview with um, PGA President Roger Davis on Macquarie Sport yep. Radio, yep. and uh, he was talking about uh, the proposal to maybe move the Open mm. to February, Yes, I think yes, early next about. year. Yeah, definitely, because it, it, it conflicts with so many events overseas, the American Tour, the European Tour, the Tour School. They have in Europe is is right the same week, so definitely it's a great idea. He's got some really good ideas. Well, I, I thought we should get the Dodge back on because yep. we haven't had him on backspin for a while. But uh, yeah, the way he spoke in the position he's in now, and it was almost by default that he got there. He, yeah, you know, yeah, someone yeah, said, "Can you put your hand up for the uh, yep. for the board?" And he did, and then all of a sudden he's the president. But what he was saying in this interview made a hell of a lot of sense, and what he said about the Australian Open was one of the things that really made sense. Something else uh, you referred to it before the World Cup of Golf, and you. Were at this one as well. Gee, it, it was a fantastic event from all accounts. That was brilliant. The atmosphere was absolutely brilliant. And Australia nearly getting over, over the line at the end there on that last round, the last few holes, made it even more exciting because going into the last round, it looked like it was a one-horse race. Belgium, five shots in front, six shots in front of Australia and foursomes to play and the wind had blown all week. So I said on air on Macquarie Sports, I, don't, I can't see a 65 out there tomorrow if the weather stays like it is. And of course... I was proved wrong. The weather died down. 
the, the Aussies shot 65 and nearly won it. Nearly got over the top. Great win by the two Belgians. Yeah. Well, gun, gun players. You, you talked, I remember in an episode of Backspin that we did not that long ago when they announced the fields for the World Cup of Golf or the, the, the pairings from each of the countries and you, your focus was on Thomas Peters. Yeah. When, when the announcement player. was made. You've got to see this guy play, Steve. He's got everything. He's a superstar. But he, his partner, Thomas Dietrich, yeah. who had no pro, it was like Abraham answer with the Australian yes, Open. Yeah. No profile before the event, after the event. Everyone's going, how good's this bloke? <laughs> I met Wayne Riley down there, our old mate Radar, uh, covering the the World Cup of Golf for TV, and he covers European golf. I, I forget what channel he's on, but he does it every every week for 20 weeks in a row. Thomas Dietrich is a player to watch. He said that on Thursday to me. And sure enough, by the end of the week, Dietrich Peters, top of the top of the leaders board. In fact, um, just played aggressively right from the word go and just drove the ball beautifully. It was just, it was a pleasure to watch. It, it, really exciting golf to watch, you know, for, from a standpoint. And, and I think it appealed to all the Australians, even though Australia didn't get over the line. We're all fans of the Belgium and the way they played. And you had a ball while you were there, obviously. I had an absolute ball on Macquarie Sports Radio. Melbourne, well, do you want to say Macquarie Sports Radio one more time? It sounds like you're trying to embed I it am. in your head. I'm trying to. So yeah. you don't get it wrong again. Yeah, Macquarie Sports Radio. Yeah, yeah. and that's enough about Macquarie Sports Radio. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> Although they might get a mention later on. Turn the volume on the TV down and watch and listen to Macquarie Sports Radio. That's I, I, I listen, told Dad to do that. This isn't Macquarie Sports Radio. Oh. This is Backspin. Oh, this is Thanks backspin. to Inside Golf. Thanks to Inside Golf, yeah. And we'll have more very soon. The Backspin Interview thanks to Inside Golf. Well one of the most talented young players on the Australasian Tour is a fella from Queensland. His name is Jake McLeod and he's had a fantastic November. Started off by winning the New South Wales Open a couple of weeks ago followed up with third place at the Australian Open and Larry Jake has really caught your eye. We've been keeping our eye on Jake for a little while now Steve. A couple of years now he's been featuring in tournaments. He shot a fantastic round in the Victorian Open last year. 61 would you believe that? When the New South Wales Open uh, a couple of weeks ago. Jake, welcome to Backspin. How are you, thank mate? Thank you. Nice to be here. I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Good, mate. Now, what we haven't mentioned yet, the 61 you shot in, in the Victorian Open, you didn't win that event. Yep. That was the first round. But 62 in the New South Wales Open, you can go low, mate, and you won that event. Now, talk us through the New South Wales Open because that was a breakthrough for you, mate, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. My first uh, professional victory, so it felt awesome, you know, the round on the third day really, really put myself in a great position to win. I think I had a four-shot lead um, going into the last round, so that obviously helped. Played uh, pretty solid throughout the whole week, which was nice. Sort of hung on on the last day, shot one under to a uh, two-shot victory. You say you hung on there. You did tell us, us, the media, on the day before, after the third round, that you would be nervous. You always get nervous. And I love yeah. to hear people telling the truth because when I played the tour, I shat myself every bloody day I've played and I just love hearing someone else say I'll get nervous instead of it'll be fine I'll play shot by shot I'll um, enjoy have some fun out there when in fact you are it is a nerve-wracking experience isn't it it is yeah I get um I get nervous yeah but the same as you every time I tee it up basically no matter how big the event especially on that first tee that's where I sort of feel the most but sort of after that I sort of warm into it which is nice yeah, I sort of felt pretty comfortable that week. I was I was definitely nervous, but I think I was sort of my you know my focus on the on my game was quite good. So I think I sort of distracted myself from how I usually feel. So yeah, it was nice. But I think you know teeing up this week again, I'll I'll be nervous again. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
go around circles. One of the big issues, mate, that we have to deal with here and now is that I know it was your girlfriend. I think Maddie is your girlfriend? Yeah, she it, is, yeah. It, it was her birthday on the Friday of that <laughs> tournament. And then you yeah. came up with the victory on the Sunday yeah. and you were talking about upgrading the birthday present. Did you, <laughs> <laughs> did you do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, not yet. Oh, no, 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 not yet. No, I will. I bought her a couple of things the other day, a couple of small things. But for Christmas, I'll have to... Uh, She's probably expecting something good now, so I'll probably have to deliver. <laughs> good for you. You do that. How much did that that victory, but getting serious again, how much did that win at the New South Wales Open, your maiden victory, as you say, how much did that change your mindset going into the Australian Open? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, just to get the monkey off the back, uh, to you know, call yourself a winner on tour is pretty cool. You know, going to the Aussie Open, my game felt great. And, you know, they had a lot of great players there from you know the PGA Tour especially so it was a strong field I honestly thought going into that week that I could win didn't end up coming with the win but I finished third there which is nice and uh, a solid last round I think I sort of just shot myself in the foot on the third day really took me out of the tournament unfortunately but it was nice to finish strong Tell us about that third day, Jake. Well, I got off to a good start I was uh, one under through a few holes and got to the fourth and um, mm. well I sort of had that controversial I don't know if you guys saw it or not I was, I was uh, calling that from Macquarie Sports Radio I was, I was right next to that green watching that ball hanging on the edge of the hole and then I was yeah. with you next to you when the rules official came up to you a couple of hours later and said no nah, it's, it's definitely a four not a three yeah, so I got the four. They, they, the guy told me on the uh, the, the next hole down the fifth that it would be a four, not a three. And I was like, that's fine. I, was, I thought well, I was going to sort it out after the round with the head rules official, sort of just have a chat what actually happened. And, yeah, and then they came up a few holes late. I had a poor wedge shot the next. I was a little bit frustrated, mm-hmm. made back there. And they came up a few hours later and wanted to chat to me about it then. Yeah, I, I sort of, I was a little bit frustrated and tried to get on with the game. It was a big learning curve as well for me. I, I didn't, you know, I thought I was sort of got over it, but, you know, I sort of probably yeah. didn't. I didn't play too well that day. I shot three over and um, not that I played terribly. It was a pretty tough day. It was, you know, I just wasn't, whole, you know, hitting close enough and holding the putt. So. For the sake of the listeners, Jake, you hit a putt. Can't remember how long it was. It wasn't very long, but it, it hung on the, it was about... 12 feet on the fourth yeah. green, wasn't it? And and it hung on yeah. the edge of the hole. The wind was was screaming across the, yeah. the green. And, yeah. and you walked up to the ball and it was it appeared to be oscillating or moving, so you didn't want to hit yeah. it in case there was a penalty. Let's say 20 seconds later, it dropped into the hole. Everyone cheered and off, everything was fine. That was your three. But, yeah. of course, once you get to the ball, you're allowed 10 seconds, if it's hanging on the edge of the hole, for it to either fall in or not, then you have to hit it. But it, but your defence was well. It was moving. I couldn't hit it. It was it was it was wobbling. So I, I, I thought there might have even been a penalty. That this is your words. I think at the time for actually hitting it because it was moving. Is that right? Yeah, I hit the putt. And I sort of couldn't believe that it didn't go in. For starters, yeah, I was sitting on the the back of the cup there, and when yeah, as you said, screaming across, sort of back towards the hole. And then I sort of I think it took in total from when I hit the putt when it dropped was about twenty eight seconds. So I think I took about. 15 to yep. get up there, yep. and then it was like 13 for it to drop. <laughs> I walked up, yeah, Mick Luzzi, uh, one of yeah, one of my mates have played with him a bit lately, and um, he said, don't hit it because it's moving. Mm-hmm. So I sort of just stood back, and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't oscillating. It was sort of slowly, just gradually moving towards the hole, and yeah, it obviously ended up dropping in, and, but yeah, got the penalty, and yeah, that's how it goes. I think, though, I'm not too sure what would have actually happened if I hit the ball, mm-hmm. you know. 
I think I might have had a five or a six then. So yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, still, it's one of those still weird. Don't know actually, what would happen? But yeah, that's how it goes. But still, a great week overall for you, mate. I mean, at the end, I talked before about your mindset going into to that event, but at the end of it, that must have been pretty satisfying. You didn't win, but uh, geez, um, third place—that's an outstanding oh, great, achievement. Great last round, Steve. That was a tough day. Every day was tough there, but that was a tough. That was the equal the best score of the day. And the only other guy that shot that was Cam Smith, Australia's number one player in that golf tournament. So one of your old yeah. mates, Jake. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was stoked with the round. I thought, um, you know, yeah, the lead was a bit too far out of reach, but I thought second place was in reach. Yeah, I played beautifully all day, and I was I was tied second uh, going up the last. Unfortunately, uh, bogey the last, finished third. But yeah. As you said, it was a great day, and I was super stoked with that. Yeah, to have the same uh, score as Cam Smith on the last day was pretty cool, and I, I think I beat him that week, so uh, <laughs> that <was> nice. <laughs> and a start in the British Open, Jackie, that's got to be gold, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a great reward for the way I was playing those couple of weeks. I actually forgot that it was a qualifier while I was out there. Otherwise, I think I would have been uh, <laughs> I was <gonna> in. <laughs> a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think uh, it was a yeah very good thing that I forgot. Oh, I just honestly can't wait to get over there and experience it. It's already sold out, they said. So yeah. the atmosphere is going to be unbelievable. And you're now leading the Australian Order of Merit. I don't want to remind you on the eve of um, a big event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got a reasonable lead, substantial lead, I would think. But um, yeah, so winning that, winning the Australian Order of Merit, will it make you more even more nervous to talk about it now? What that would mean to you? Well, I actually don't feel too bad about it because there's just so many things that could happen. You know, I could play well and still not win, or I could mm, play yep. poorly and still win. You know what I mean? So it depends how everyone else goes as well. But yeah, obviously I know what's going on, so definitely a little bit of added pressure there. But I'll just try go out there and play the way I've been playing. I've I've been playing nicely and hitting it good. So um, I like the course as well. I sort of played well here last year. I'm looking forward to the challenge. It'll be good. Mate, you're obviously enjoying it, and that's the main thing. Yeah, that's right. It's pretty easy to enjoy when you're playing well. <laughs> but um, Yeah, I wouldn't know, yeah. mate. <laughs> Neither would I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. no, it's good. You know, you get to travel a lot of places. A lot of my friends, close mates, play as well. We stay together, hang out together, whatever practice rounds so you know and it's it's pretty cool feeling you know getting all the media attention and you know little kids coming up to you and sewing their hats and gloves and whatever little, little kids growing yeah. man buns you're joking well yeah who knows they might try and get the man bun out hopefully but i'm getting one i'm gonna i'm gonna buy one <laughs> yeah no i think um yeah it's a, it's a good feeling so yeah good stuff mate congratulations on on what you've achieved uh, what you've done so far in this summer of australian golf continued success in the future and no doubt we'll catch up again down the track great thanks guys i look forward to it good on you jake thanks mate cheers thank you travel the world and play golf let's go somewhere with backspin thanks to inside golf Larry, have you spent much time up on the far north coast of New South Wales? I have, Steve. My parents used to live there, and it's a magnificent place. There's some great golf courses up there. One of the most magnificent places up there is Ocean Shores. It's a great golf course, this one. It's an interesting story, Ocean Shores. 1972, Bruce Devlin, Robert Von Hag. Now, they... They designed, they redesigned the old lake, Steve, back in the early 70s. So they were responsible for it becoming a lakes-type golf course rather than a dunes-type, um, linksy-type golf course yeah, all those years ago. but not quite as beautiful as the setting for Ocean Shores. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? This is sounding pretty corny. Cool, oh, no, no, no. I'm building it up. We're building Ocean Shores up. A okay. bloke who can build it all up better than us is the head professional and sports manager at Ocean Shores, Chris Graham. He's on the line now. G'day, Chris. Hey, guys. How's it going? Very well, mate. Now, sports.
sports manager. Tell us what that role is, mate. I know what head professional is. I've done a little bit of that myself, not very well. Yeah. Sports manager, uh, what's that? Well, I kind of wear about 20 hats in one day. So mm-hmm. uh, apart from running the club or the, the pro shop for the club and I suppose managing all the golf side of it, uh, I do all the coaching component. I also run lawn bowls. We have a swimming pool out the front of the pro shop as well. So there are plenty of things we have to do in a, in a week or in my jo- job title. So do you teach bowls? No. I play a little bit of lawn bowl. I'm kind of that last man standing when they have pennant season and they can't get any more players and I kind of roll in there and play. But uh, I actually don't mind the game. It's a good so, game, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is a good game. Yeah. You're never far from the bar. I always find that fascinating about it too. You never have to go far. Around the well, golf, you know, your ninth green could be, well, the fourth or fifth green could be two or three k's from the bar. Bowls yeah. are only a couple hundred metres away at the worst, and aren't they, you? And they utilise it very well. Now, you sell bowls equipment in the pro shop? Yeah, we do. Do you know what you're doing? To a point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned. There's not a great deal, no, really, apart from, I suppose the bowl is, is pretty similar. There's a few different companies that have a little bit of a different shape in their bowl, but just learning about grip and non-grip and the size of the bowl and how to get it to fit into people's hands. Oh, so, so there's a fitting system? Pretty well. Yeah, there is a bit of a, I suppose, a simple fitting system, yeah. Do you use like Flightscope or something? Or? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> it's more touchy-feely when you get your hand oh, on the you bowl and, yep. and you wrap it around and kind of when your fingers touch, it's pretty well where you're at. This is riveting stuff, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I find it fascinating. I've been, I've been working in pro shops most of my life and, and I, I would never clue what a, I know what a bowl looks like. Yeah. Chris, you know, you're, a, you're a man of many talents. Tell us. My talents? Well, I think the biggest thing is this whole concept of um, I'm still one of those rare professionals that does everything. So yeah. I, yeah. I start the field, I run the comps, yeah. I, I do all the handicapping. You know, we, we've got a bit of a different structure at Ocean Shores in a sense because it's a country club. We have our board that sits at the top and then underneath that we have our SIGs, which are special interest groups that are men's golf, ladies' golf, men's bowls and ladies' bowls. So I kind of head up all those kind of positions. On a day-to-day basis, running comps, and then I'm out coaching and doing junior development. I'm kind of, I suppose, I'm, I'm, I'm head coach of the, the um, North Coast Academy of Sport, their golf development squad, so which is really fun, working with kids between the age of, kind of 9 and 13, and we're just giving them the pathway. So if they want to be good at the game, we're giving them an idea of where they start and, and of where, to, where to go from there. So it's good. The club itself and the course itself, obviously it's a, a real uh, draw card for people who are locals, who have retired to the area, etc., etc. but it's obviously a, a real draw card for tourists too. It's a hidden gem. People turn mm. up here and they just kind of look at our facilities and go, wow. And the golf course itself, it was so well designed. You mm. know, it's 6-4 in length. So you got to think, back in the day, um, that score of Wayne Riley's where he shot, um, he shoot 60. Or crazy, or 65, sorry, 7 under. It was a crazy score considering the ball they were using back then and how long this golf course is. I played in that. In the, I played yeah, that day. Back in the mid 80s. You just got Yeah, be very careful what yeah. you say next, Chris. Yeah, so for the you know for the golf course and the way they designed it, um, you know, it's got 6 par 4s, 6 mm. par 3s, 6 par 5s, so, which is really unusual. That is unique. and uh, Which is fun. And when you play from hole 1 through to 18, you never play a consecutive par. Like, you never play 2 par 4s in a row or 2 par 3s. It's yeah, so it's really quite interesting to play. What about a signature hole? Tell us about your favourite hole there. Thirteen's probably my favourite hole. It's a pretty sharp dog leg left um, where you've got to hit a really good tee shot and then it's a very narrow green um, coming in and you've always got a mid to long iron coming into the thing unless you really hit a good drive over the corner and the other downs. But there's a rumour that back in the day that the green was actually supposed to be the other way because it really is a very narrow landing zone when you've got a mid to long iron coming in. But um, probably the signature hole is the 12th hole, which is a long par three across the water. And, ah, yes. Um, 
you always know when you play well at Ocean Shores because you played the, the six par threes well. Like the shortest plays at 145, and then you just up into the 180s and 190 par threes across water. The setting's beautiful too, Chris, isn't it? The, yeah, the, it is. The sur- yeah. surrounding um, bushland and the sparkling lakes, as they say on, on the website here. It is a beautiful-looking yeah. place. Yeah, it is a great place. and it's Most people turn up and think it's going to be really hilly, but you kind of go down the hill in the first hole, and the golf course is completely flat, and you come back up the hill in the last hole. So, and you, you know, you don't realise you're, you're within a couple of hundred metres of the ocean. You just can't see it from the golf course. But yeah, it's a beautiful place to play. In the afternoons out there, it's just gorgeous. Now, one of the connections, I was looking through your website, Chris, and someone's done a fairly comprehensive history of the club itself, going way, way back, and they've broken it. I don't know who put this together, but they did a fantastic job of, of compiling uh, the history and, and various links to other articles and photos and that sort of thing about Ocean Shores over the time it's existed. But one of the links is to an American singer that a lot of our listeners wouldn't know about because they're way, way, way too young. We've got a lot of younger listeners, but some of our more mature listeners might remember the name Pat Boone. And Pat Boone's got a connection with Ocean Shores that goes way back. What's that all about? Yeah, yeah. Well, back in the, it would have been mid, I suppose, mid to late 60s when they first designed this place, he was really the, I suppose, the spokesperson or the, the person they used to advertise Ocean Shores. So, yeah, he was a real key to, I suppose, back in the day, he was a real, um, he was at the top of his game. So he's very, I suppose, a very popular yeah. um, person. So they used him as a, a real kind of um, selling point to, to get the place on the map. Yeah. And he's been back there since. Yeah, like you say, I think it was early 2000 he, he came back. Yeah, I wasn't here then. And I think he was pretty impressed to see the place change. And I've got to say, you know, in the last, I don't know, five, probably five to six years, Ocean Shores, you drive around, there was still a lot of vacant land, but now... Everyone's found out about us, and it's all kind of been kind of built on, and kind of they're really kind of getting in, and the, and the place is starting to grow even more. So yeah, there's a um, a company called Northern Breeze Tours, Chris, mm-hmm. which uh, which uh, delivers people to the golf course. An own operated family business from um, airports around the place. Can you just tell us briefly about what they do for you? Yeah, well, they just kind of kind of really encourage to to get people here because there's so many people that don't know we exist. So they really just help to advertise we're here, get people here, get them to see, because we're not the only great golf course in the area too. So it's such a, we kind of, they could they use us or as a bit of a hub to, to play here and also see the surrounding area. Because you can't, you don't just come here to play golf. It's a beautiful golf mm. course, but you, you get around the surrounding area and it's this gorgeous countryside. Yeah, so that's where they really come in. They really kind of, you know, enlighten people to that, the fact that we're here. Like I said, so many people that come here, I always ask them the first question is, have you been here before? And it surprises me how many people have never actually played here before. Yeah, have never heard of it. Yeah, it's, it's extraordinary, no. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, well and truly. All right, Chris, thank you for your time, mate. If people want to know more about Ocean Shores, if they're in the area looking for a great place to play a great course, how can they get in contact with you? They can just either jump on our website, so just type in Google Ocean Shores Country Club, or just our, our contact number on you know, 0266 and just hit the one and come to the pro shop. It won't matter if you get me or my staff, um, they'll look after you and, um, yeah, quickly sort you out and get you pointed in the right direction. And if you need a set of bowls, see Chris Graham. Yeah, come in here, mate, we'll sort you out. <laughs> He's an expert. He's a jack of all trades. Good on you, Chris. Oh, Thank a jack. You, I see what you did there, Stevie. Boom, boom. yeah. <laughs> Happy days. Good on you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, mate. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. This is Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf, and it's time to talk uh, product. And today we're talking about Strix, and one of our favourite topics, actually, Larry, anything to do with Strix, and we love them. 
We love everything they do, but we particularly love their Z Series drivers. Yeah, Steve, they've come out with two new drivers, the Z585, the Z785. They've replaced the, funnily enough, the Z565 and Z765. Now, these two drivers, when we think of drivers... When you think of nice, you know, top-end drivers, we usually think of companies like TaylorMade or Callaway, Ping, um, but Srixon made a massive move in the driver direction last year with their 565 and 765 drivers, and particularly the 5Z565, it was, there's a, there's a website called My Golf Spy. Now, they, they do reviews of golf clubs, but they do them independently if they're not, um, like, maybe a little bit... Uh, inclined to favour their one sponsor or another. They just, they're, they're completely independent. As I said, they came up with these figures. They had 20,000 uh, drives hit by a variety of different people. And the Z565 driver was the most sought-after driver on the market last year in, right. term, in terms of how good this golf club was. And, and the, the stats and figures proved it. So Srixon made a massive move in towards the driver market. They've always been famous for beautiful irons, cavity end blades, beautifully made Japanese quality stuff. But this particular driver made massive inroads into the, 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 the so-called famous driver models. Now, this year, they've taken it to another level with this Z585 and Z785 models, which have become something that a lot of the tour players are now using. Now, tour players in the past wouldn't have, but they're picking this driver because it is a great driver, not because they're getting paid to use it. So it's it's more forgiving, Steve. It's made a little bit differently. It still has the same face. It's still hot cup face that the titanium face they've been using for a couple of models but they've put a bit of carbon on the top so the top as you look at the driver with, with it behind the golf ball the top is made of carbon fiber which is a lot lighter than even titanium so it moves they can then move the rest of the weight down low and back away from the face and it makes the driver much easier to hit than the previous model which was easier to hit anyway but yeah. this one's much easier to hit and it also keeps that club the, the the ball speed coming off the face really hot now Keegan Bradley's one of their star players, and Keegan has gained, this is again independent, has gained um, something like three or four or five uh, more metres from this driver, and he's also getting more consistent readings off the launch monitor. So that's, I think, that, and, and Ryan Fox is one of the longest hitters in European Tour, the, the, the New Zealand guy, red hot at the moment. This guy's in the top 30 in the, on the European list now, getting starts in all the major tournaments. He's also, he actually used it as a prototype in the Irish Open last year and lost in a playoff. And one of the most famous drives all year was his drive on the 18th in the Irish Open in the playoff where it just flew over this corner of this dog leg, 70 yards ahead of the guy he was playing against. Unfortunately, he wedged it in close and missed it. The other guy made a long putt, lost the playoff. But this, the Z785 and the Z585 drivers are definitely worth a try. And I, I would suggest that they're going to make massive inroads into those big three that we always consider the best drivers. This 585 is more for the average player, has a bit of draw bias, it's a little bit lighter, it hits the ball a bit higher. The Z785 is a slightly flatter ball hitting club, so you need a little bit more loft. Targeted more to the B grade, maybe A grade, and pro. All right, so then rather than play catch up with the big three, as you say, they're, you know, they're, they've, they've caught up. I reckon they have, Steve. Yeah. But this is going to, yeah, the, the market, they don't, they don't spend as much money on marketing as the other companies do, so you won't see it on all the front of magazines and stuff. But uh, you will definitely see a lot of tour players using it. That's always the sign. The TaylorMade drivers own the tour the last couple of years, now we're seeing Srixon drivers being used by tour players. Can you get one? I want to give it a try. I've got one on order. Have you? I've got a 785 coming. Get two. With a with a blue, um, uh, the shaft, I can't remember the name of it, I'm sorry, but it's a, oh, Project X. 
um, blue blue shaft, which is a little bit gentler for my old swing speed. I, I can get definitely a five eight five, Steve, for you, which would be more suited uh, with a little bit of draw bias. You like to draw the ball, yeah, and a little bit of whip in the shaft, a little bit of whip in that damn shaft, Stevie. Yes. Done. Whip, whip it up. They sound good. The new Strixon Z585 and 785 drivers. Check them out. Absolutely. He's only here to help the world play better golf. So settle back and enjoy this tasty tip from Larry Canning on Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Well, it's that time in Backspin when Larry does his best to get the best out of your golf game. And today, Larry, your tip is all about driving into the wind. The last couple of weeks, Steve, funny you should ask this question. I Did didn't you ask, ask a question. No, I, I told you to ask me, didn't yeah, I? Yeah. yeah. It's funny I should tell you to ask me this question, Steve. Over the last few weeks, I've been covering golf uh, for Macquarie Sports Radio, my favourite radio station, and I've been covering a lot of windy, horrible, wet days. And I've been noticing how the players in the past, Steve, in the old wooden-headed days, I and mean, even, even the steel-headed days when they weren't quite as big as they are now, the ball used to fly a little high, so into the wind you'd tee the ball low and try and start the ball at low now with the current equipment steve with the new drivers with a very deep face the lower you tee it the more you actually are going to spin it because you get it low on the club and it makes the ball backspin which makes it not penetrate the air the wind so i've noticed this with all the top players through the last few weeks they're teeing the ball exactly the same height maybe moving it back a little in their stance but and not hitting it not swinging quite as hard but the ball's just coming out a similar height maybe a tad lower but it's flattening out. It doesn't spin up in the air, so mm. it penetrates the wind. So for those players my age who are used to teeing the ball really low into the wind, it is the wrong thing to do now. With the new equipment and the new ball, tee the ball your normal height, just move it back an inch or two in your stance. Don't try and smash it. Hit it nice and smoothly and it won't backspin, and away the ball will go. It became really obvious to me the last few weeks, yes. Very good. After all these years. All these years, Steve, yes. But I did use some pretty crappy old equipment back in my day. So it was it's lovely a, looking stuff. Uh, that tip is based on the advances in yes, equipment. Yes, the new driver and the new golf ball. You don't. The lower you tee it, the more it'll spin. So do not tee it any lower. Just tee it the normal height. All right. So um, back in the day, 30 years ago, when you yep. were using, you, what clubs were you using? Yeah, you um, Norman Von Nider. I had the old um, Norman Von Nider. Um, yes, steel. Um, the wooden shafts, actually, though. And, and, yeah, more wooden. Yeah, yeah. You, you wooden shaft Norman. Norman Von Nighters, you were teeing yep. up the hot dot. The old uh, spalling hot dot. That was that was only a dot then. The hot dot came out years later. Whatever you were doing That was back a breakthrough, then, the hot dot, Steve. Change it, all right? Wow, that we was moved hot. moved on. I've still got a couple of hot <laughs> dots in the bag. <laughs> oh, they're a bit scuffed up, but, you know, we've had some happy memories. I've got some Strixons at home, and I'll bring them in. Yeah. And, and, you, can, and you, can, you can have them. Excellent. But just don't lose them. Uh, now, listen, spit of the week. You, you, you're too happy. Let's have a bit of a spit. What are you going to spit about? Oh, you got nothing this yeah, week. Well, I'm you? really you're pretty happy. Yeah, I am pretty happy. What I about just, the Australian Open? You don't want to spit about that? I don't think so, Steve. I just, We've already spoken about it. So I, I, got, well, yeah. I, I hear a lot of comments when I'm roving around with my Macquarie Radio headset on, doing my radio commentary. I hear a lot of silly comments, I must say, from people that think that playing golf for millions of dollars is the same as their Sunday Stableford, where yeah. you know, they're pros, they're used to it they should be able to handle it but now this Jake McLeod who we're, we're speaking to today did mention that you know he gets nervous and and it is the mo- it is a scary thing playing golf for a lot of money when you don't have a lot even if you've got a lot it's still hard it could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars if you make a mistake or miss a short putt so I compare it to someone walking a tightrope Stephen if you put the tightrope about a foot in the air they walk across the tightrope and they'll dance across it they'll do 
a disco. They'll do John Travolta on that tightrope. You put that thing above two buildings, about 10 stories in the air, and suddenly it completely changes. And that's how I, that's what I compare playing golf for a lot of money to. They're not robots. They are just humans, just like us. When you're in the gallery and you're making silly comments, you never know who's listening. And just think about it. Think before you open your mouth that what these blokes look like on the outside might not necessarily be mirrored by the way they're feeling on the inside. It's 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 really difficult to do. And, and geez, I'm the expert in how hard I made it look really hard. In fact, I've thrown up on some of the most beautiful golf courses in Australia, Steph. I think I've said that before. But um, yeah, the very nature of, 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 a sh- of facing a shot that can change your career Around a golf, yes, but a particular shot, and I can go back over my little crappy career and, and pick out shots that I made a meal of because I just couldn't handle it. Yeah. Okay. Keep it in mind, they are humans. They're great sports people. Yes. But they're only human, as you are, Larry. No, I'm a bit above human. You're just a fraction above. I'm Just a, yeah. a touch above. With yeah. those headphones, those Macquarie Sport Radio headphones. Oh, how good wow, they look you're a superhuman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love my headphones. McCann's. This, this has been Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf, Larry. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. It is a pleasure to talk to me, Stephen, and thank you for being with me. And we will be back to talk with you again very soon. <laughs>